Hi everyone, it's Ryan here from ROTM Radio. All of you are awesome for listening, and we, well, we love you for it. We also want more people to hear and enjoy as well. We need your help to spread the love, laughs, and shenanigans. How can you help, you might ask? Well, a couple of things. Make sure that you're subscribed to ROTM Radio in your favorite podcast listening app. Also, by giving us a rating or review or commenting in your favorite platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google, and Podbean will help make the podcast climb the charts. One more way to help is simply by telling a friend. Come on, we all know someone who complains that they're bored way too much. Well, help give them some free entertainment, and when they ask where they can find ROTM Radio, just say, pretty much everywhere. They can find us by going to rotmradio.com. They can also find us at Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Audrey.io. And if they don't have any of those platforms, a simple Google search, or just following our Facebook and Twitter feeds, they'll be able to find us. And they can also track down our RSS feed on rotmradio.com. Once again, thank you so much for listening. You are awesome. And we want you to have awesome friends too. Absolutely. And uh, here's where I'll play your... uh, your commercial, yeah, right? Which, by the way, you're gonna have to record a new one because you, you keep saying in the commercial, "We're getting ready to do fun." <laughs> I can record one for this. Hello, everybody, and welcome to ROTM Radio, the official podcast of ROTMRadio.com. I am one of your hosts, Ryan, and with me tonight is the barber to the stars, Mr. Dustin Griffin. Hey, yo, how's it going? Pretty good. Dustin and I are going to be running some duo action tonight. Nice. uh, As, uh, unfortunately, Zach's uh, son is sick, so he couldn't join us. Uh, we, We hope for a speedy recovery and all that good stuff, so... Um, but yeah, so Dustin, how you doing? Good. Well, you know, it, it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be a, a night to talk Halo without running some some duos. That's the way uh, I used to run Halo all the time. So it feels right to you know I, I miss Zach, but it feels right to be just running some du- team doubles tonight. Well, normally when we have Zach, we're, you know, it's like running a game of infection, and he's always the zombie. <laughs> yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I, uh, this week I've been a little sick, so I, I've, I'm still a little hoarse, but no COVID. So we're, we're good to go <laughs> at this point. Um, so <laughs> not I, again, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. And it's funny too, cause you know, the week that, uh, we've been talking about doing this episode for a couple weeks and it's the week that I'm hoarse that, uh, I'm leading the train, so to speak. So. But I'm excited. I'm. This is this is my favorite topic. This was the whole reason I signed up for this podcast. 
And uh, here we are. I, it's not quite a year later, but you know, uh, later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're finally getting around to what <laughs> Dustin likes. Thank the Lord. It's it, it's exciting. Yeah, and uh, um, just wanted to say thanks for the patience for all the listeners. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think I've realized that it it takes it takes a little bit sometimes to synchronize the schedules of three working adults who are also parents, you know, um, who don't live in the same time zones or anything like that either. So, uh, you know, cause I'm broadcasting out of the uh, Valley of the sun here in Arizona. And then of course, Dustin's in Illinois. Um, so it, it takes, it takes some synchronization and adulting gets in the way at times. So it, we appreciate everyone's patience and, um, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it pays off. I concur. It was funny tonight. <laughs> We were texting about doing this, and and you're like, it's eight my time, and then I'm like, wait a minute, uh, so eight his time, I, I was trying to calculate. I was like, I can't remember if <laughs> if it's an hour, it's two hours. We talked about this, and then you're like, well, wait and a it's bad too because since I'm in Arizona, like our our clocks don't change, and I'm like, wait, did did your clock just change recently? And you're like, yes, and I'm like, okay, so that means. If we're in like the the summer time frame or whatever daylight whatever it is like like <laughs> the last half of the year I'm only an hour behind you even though my clock doesn't change but like but now all of a sudden I'm two hours behind you yes <laughs> so I'm like I'm like wait did your clock actually change or not I I don't remember because we <laughs> don't do that here so I never have to think about it <laughs> right so that just just to let you know it it's tough for us you know adults with kids and jobs and things like that and uh and since we have no clue about daylight savings time you know it's even worse <laughs> yeah and, and you never know what you know what crops up at times i mean we were literally uh we were literally set to do it uh i guess it would have been like a week ago and uh out of nowhere i had some stuff come up that i had to take care of and you know we we're like all right we'll, we'll just put it off couple days and i ended up being really busy that entire week uh so i it just you know you never know uh no uh, i we we just a disclaimer we all it it was funny because we all read the book we couldn't get this together and then i just ended up sending videos to everyone saying like hey since it's gonna be a while before we get this and you may forget it here's all the videos to watch as a reminder (laughs) here's a refresher this is this is a book club based on the book and helps from, you know, months later. <laughs> so if we miss anything and you're listening and you're, you know, someone like pins halo, I'm sorry. <laughs> We're going to do our best. It's, it's, it's now actually been a while. So, but That's I'm like, excited. I was telling you at the beginning here, like it, what, uh, I said, what November was when I actually finished, uh, the fall of reach book. Yeah. Well, and honestly, for me, I I did finally go back and listen to it, but at the time that you had finished it, I had not reread it, and it has been since, I want to say 2012 since I've read it. So, like, I was really, <laughs> I was really going back, and, and then I, I eventually, we had more time, so I read it. I was going to just watch the, the videos, and then... Uh, um, then I eventually read the book. I'm glad I did too, because I just forgot how how much information is in 
not just this book, a lot of the be- the Eric Nyland Halo books, there's quite a few. And so, uh, um, but before we get into the book, I, I think we should, uh, we should plug the, the way that we listen to this book. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, business, and self-development books. Every month, members get one free credit to pick any title, plus two Audible originals from the monthly selection, and access to all daily news digests such as the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post. You can download these titles and listen offline, anytime, and anywhere. The app is free, and it can be installed on all smartphones and tablets. You can listen across devices without losing your spot, and I can assure you that is the most important part of this ad read. And if you can't decide what to listen to, don't worry. You can keep your credits for up to one year and use them to binge on a whole series if you'd like. Now, let me tell you something. That's all good news, but let me give you better news. If you head on over right now to www.audibletrial.com backslash ROTM radio, you'll not only get your free book for this month, but you can also get a free month of Audible on us here at ROTM Radio. And let's face it, we're about to read The Fall of Reach from the Halo series, and why wouldn't you want to go over right now and pick that up and start reading? We all know you do. So go ahead, go on over right now to www.audibletrial.com backslash ROTM Radio. All right, that was great, Dustin. Um, so I do have a question, uh, and I think this will be good to like get you started because uh, it, it's a Dustin episode. Everyone, he's leading the the train, as he said. Although the fact that you kept calling yourself horse means that it was a wagon train, but you know, didn't <laughs> <laughs> do. <doot. laughs> say insert. The, Sorry, <laughs> the snare sound here. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't help myself. Uh, so I have a question, though. As I was doing a little research on this book, I, I was realizing that this book's been redone a few times. Uh, maybe you can explain some of that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Actually, that's really funny because I, in my notes that I took for that, that's the first thing that I actually talk about. So um, first of all, we're talking about Halo, The Fall of Reach, um, and... Uh, this book was the first Halo medium that ever came out for Halo. So even before the game, um, this was the book that kind of acted as like a prelude to the game. Um, Bungie didn't sanction it. Microsoft actually sanctioned it. And it was written by Eric Nyland, who worked for Microsoft at the time. Um, so to explain, to answer your question, there's been three releases of this. It was originally released in October of 20. Uh, not 2021, 2001, excuse me. And it was kind of like they they first released it because I, I don't know how familiar you are with the original Halo story, but they had originally designed Halo for Mac. Um, and somehow through... Ooh, a bu- that yeah. sounds sacrilegious. I, I mean, know. Holy. I know. Wow. I, because actually the first Halo being released was um, they... Re- 
I think they did it at like one of Apple. Steve Jobs actually presented the game at one of the Apple like you know yearly you know showing off their stuff. Um, but then, long story short, um, nothing happened. With, some things they changed a bunch of things. Bungie ended up going with Microsoft, and to kind of re introduce people to Halo, they put this book out a few months before. And so the reason that they kind of released the the second and third iteration of the book was to fix some grammatical errors and some canon issues. Um, and the, the thing was is that, as you know, Halo Reach had come out about this time. And Bungie, Halo Reach was kind of like, hey, we're leaving to go do Destiny. And Microsoft is like, hey, you you have one more game under contract. And they're like, we really don't want to do a game. And they're like, you have to do a game. <laughs> so they just can't, they just threw together Halo Reach. And that's why, like, if you, from what I understand, um, if you, like, play a lot of the multiplayer games in that, like, the, the aesthetics of the game... Um, is it's all gray and like not finished and it's very you know it was definitely you can see that it was totally not finished but they did a phenomenal job like it's one of the most beloved campaign stories because of just how good the campaign was um and it's funny because it was like Bungie can make good campaigns in their sleep apparently because they <laughs> clearly didn't launch this game right yet they make a great campaign but because they could care less what was going to happen with Halo, they made a campaign that a lot of people was thinking they were going to basically do the fall of Reach in a game. And instead, they just made up some random story that had nothing to do with any of the characters in the book, The Fall of Reach. And like I said, they didn't have to fix the narrative, so they didn't care. So then basically 343 said, okay, now we have to kind of retroactively fix some of those canon issues. So in 2010, they basically put out a reissue of the book to fix those, but their fixes actually made more canon issues. So then in 2011, they released it a third time and completely fixed everything that was a problem. So that's kind of the reason and the history of why it's been released that many times. Um, and so technically, according to 343, which is now the curator of Halo, uh, the third release is actual canon. So um, that's the so one. Which is that the one we read then? It should be. Uh, typically, if you like for the one that I, I, I I'm not totally sure. Um, well, I guess you listen to it on Audible, correct? So, yeah, the one so we got, this yes. Says, this one says that the release date was uh, January 1st of 2019. Oh, okay. So then, yes, anything going forward past 2011 would be that. So, yeah, that probably is correct. Um, and basically, all they did was add some other little stories to it, you know, some, like, just kind of retroactive, uh, short little, you know, inserts to, like, fix some time errors. And so for someone that's just read this book, you would not know the difference. Um, it, it, it's You would just think, oh, that's a part of the original book. Um, it's really more for the hardcore fans that that are like, hey, why was you know Cortana with Master Chief on the ship, yet Halo Reach says that he had she had to be brought to him. 
And so there's a couple things that kind of fix that gap. Um, not to so, some people aren't totally satisfied with the fix, but um, well, it's just interesting because I, like I've played the campaign, and when I read the book, I was like, "Wow, I feel like what was a couple of sentences in the book was the entire campaign of Halo Reach." Because I'm like, you don't even see like, uh, like you don't you don't see Master Chief at all when you're playing the game. Right. If I remember correctly. No, like, he's 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 not in the game. In fact, the only way there is a little easter egg at the end of the campaign where you can kind of zoom into the cryopod that he is in. Um and so like but that's just like an easter egg that you can zoom to where like at the beginning of Halo CE, he starts out in a cryopod. You see that in Halo Reach, but you have to like zoom in on forge mode and all this other stuff so it's not like he's not actually in the campaign and that 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 was one of the biggest issues is that like in the book cortana is with master chief at when all the events of halo reach are going on but then at the end of halo reach she's still with halsey and the rookie is bringing her to halls or to the Pillar of Autumn at the end of Reach. And that's the whole mission. And so it's kind of, that was confusing. And they 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 kind of retroactively fixed the timeline so that way it worked um, with the book. And that's kind of, that's mainly the problem, is that there was a lot of what seemed to be the same day, two, two people were two different places. And so they kind of changed the dates that way in the book so that way it, it read more clearly with Halo Reach, this, the game. So, um, But like I said, that was kind of Bungie, and and I love Bungie, but that was their way of just like, we don't really care because we're done with this franchise. <laughs> we're not really going to look and see, the, make sure this, you know, they had been so good with the franchise leading up to that point, and then they're just like, you know, kind of like, screw it, and... uh and then so three four right, three. which is funny because like the campaign is so good in the game where they were just like, <laughs> yeah, just throw some Spartans on the ground and make them kill grunts. Let's right, have fun. Yeah, which cool. all right, we're done out. Which are time for Cade six? Exactly. Which are not even Spartan twos. They're all Spartan threes except for George. So it's 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 a whole. It's a whole thing, but now because Master Chief is a Spartan too, correct? That's correct, and we'll kind of go okay. into that. I, there's actually a section of this book that um, that when it gets to Colonel Ackerson, we'll talk a little bit about the differences in the Spartan twos and threes. So, um, okay, but um, <clears throat> so then as far as the characters, because there's there's five main Spartans in the campaign of the video game Halo Reach or the Fall of Reach. Is it, no, it's just called Halo Reach, right? Not Fall of Reach. Yeah, Halo Reach. The book is Fall of Reach. Yeah. Spoiler alert: Reach falls yeah. um, in the game <laughs> and uh, in the book. Uh, so you already mentioned George. He was like the heavy, like the heavy gunner guy, like right. the big. Um, and then there was was there. Oh man. Uh, do you remember the names at all? Because I. Yeah, like, there was some of the names were like ringing a bell for me in the book, but I was like, I I don't know if this like like uh, Linda. I yeah. think Linda is like the sniper, right? Right. And I know she was in the book, um, but she also was part of the fire team that was the, part of the five, I guess. Well, um, so actually, no. So 
the the Spartans that are in Halo reach the game, none of them are in this book. None of them. Um, they Halo. Uh, the the I think there was Carter, June, Emil, um, oh, Cat, Rookie, and I think I'm missing one. Um, but none of those those were all Spartan threes except for George, who was a Spartan two. And there's a, a there's other mediums that cover how George got into the Spartan three program or why he's there with them. Um, it doesn't really cover it. Everybody that we're going to cover in the book actually is a Spartan two. So that's what's you know sometimes confusing because like if you if you came from the game first, which a lot of people probably that listen to this will, you will be reading the book, The Fall of Reach, expecting the characters from Halo Reach to be in. And they're not. And, right, going and that's to be. probably why I'm sitting here going, oh, yeah, Linda was one of the fire team members right. in the game because that's, I'm just, I'm grasping at. Yeah. It's got to be the same, right? Right. So, and like I said, we'll, once we get to that point, I'll kind of explain <laughs> the difference in the Spartan 2s and 3s. So. Um, but I'll go ahead and get okay. started with kind of the, the, the book and kind of, I'm just going to basically, uh, I'm, I'm going to try not to just like read, reread the book, but I'm just going to kind of skim through certain points and we'll just kind of, kind of go from there. So, um, the book kind of opens up in 2535 and, um, it, it opens up with the Spartans in a battle, a battle of a, at a planet called Jericho seven, um, and this, it just kind of introduces you to the Spartan twos, um, and who they were, what their powers were. Um, they kind of win their battle, but the planet still gets glassed by the covenant, um, which basically glassing was the covenant had these huge ships that would shoot this massive laser, uh, plasma beam that would literally boil a planet's inner core until the point where it would basically all of the it would basically create volcanic you know volcanic eruptions all over the planet destroy the planet it the whole planet would be covered in basically molten lava which would then eventually turn into what looked like a glass like substance so it came to be known as glassing the planet and that's what they would do they would go to to planets and um one thing that as you go on in all the Halo series, you'll know is that when it comes to a ground attack, the UNSC, which is the United Nations Space Command, which Master Chief and the Spartans are a part of, they typically win or at least break even with the Covenant in ground battles. But it's in the air that you know, in in space, we had we just can't match their technology. Uh, the advancements they have, their plasma weapons, are ju- their shielding is superior, especially at this point when we're first kind of meeting the Covenant. Um, and so we may completely wipe them out um, on the ground, but then they would glass the planet and we couldn't do anything about it. Um, and they were they were often willing to sacrifice their own. People would go on the planet and then they would just decide to do it. And it was kind of a mark to their their gods, um, which are the forerunners. So they thought it was kind of what they were supposed to do. So, um, it just kind of gives you a li- the beginning of the book gives you kind of that in- introduction. And then it skips to 
the beginning of what we know now as the Spartan Two program. Um, and just a quick brief throwback: the, it was called Spartan Two because there was an original group of Spartan One soldiers. Actually, it was two groups, um, but one of them, it, the augmentations just didn't work, and so they just released those people back into the normal military. The second group, uh, there was some complications with it, and basically Oni, which is the kind of the CIA of uh, the Halo story, only probably more wicked, um, <laughs> they basically just said all the people that they tried augmentations on had a had a uh, genetic disease called Born Syndrome. That's kind of what they called it, even though it was really just failure of their augmentations. Mostly wiped a lot of their memory clean so they wouldn't remember it. One of those candidates was Avery Johnson from the Halo CE. He was a, an original Spartan one. Um, but so this is years later, and the, they're basically, they're created, they want to create these Spartans because the... In the Halo universe, we have expanded out from Earth and populated just thousands of planets. And the planets close to Earth were called the, the inner colonies. The planets outside were called the outer con colonies. Well, the outer colonies were kind of sick and tired of being taxed by the inner colonies. And we're kind of sick and tired of them kind of making rules. They still wanted this, like the the protection of the inner colonies, but they didn't want them to make rules. And so basically there became a civil war um, and the civil war was becoming so massive because we were now spacefaring that it looked like humanity was going to wipe itself out. So the creation of the Spartans were because of our civil war, not because of the covenant, which kind of makes it murky. Um, so what happens is Halsey almost seems like a happy accident then, huh? Yes. Which is a lot of, um, the discussion around the Spartans. That's kind of the, was it, what did the me ends justify the means essentially? Um, but so Halsey, uh, Catherine Halsey was a scientist that Oni conscripted to create the, the Spartan two program. And she, the book kind of starts, she's going to her and Jacob Keyes, who at this time was just a, a uh, random officer in the military Navy. Um, they're, they're, He's just an ensign at that point, right? Yes. And you'll have to help me with the, the actual terms and what they mean. Cause I, you know, I know that he, as this book progresses, he goes up in rank, but I don't know totally to what that means. But yeah, at that point he was just, well, I mean, if it if it's if it's kind of like the like the traditional naval uh, rank system is, an ensign would be the lowest rank officer available. Yes, as that, far as naval terms, right? And and she even says in the book she picked him one because he was a low ranking officer. So because this was a classified mission, but two, um, there was a story where he had a superior officer who made a really stupid decision, um, got a bunch of his people killed, and even when there was overwhelming evidence to um, basically try that officer, Keyes, who was hurt in the instance, would not tattle on him um, and was was actually being threatened to, you know, be uh, dishonorably discharged from the military, but 
uh, they found the evidence they needed and they let him stay in and didn't make him testify. Um, but because of that, Halsey's like, this guy can keep a secret. That's why I, I want him on my team. So basically, they are their job is to go throughout the galaxy. And she has basically, she has found children all throughout the galaxy that meet cert, certain genetic criteria. <clears throat> that are force sensitive. Essentially, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help myself. No, absolutely. They're force sensitive. They're like super children. Um, they're six years old, and she, they are going to basically constrict, not constrict them. They're going to bring. Oh, six year old, <laughs> far too old to be trained in the yeah. Jedi Order. Yes, exactly. They, they, they could gonna, be Spartans, though. <laughs> they're going to take them to the Jedi Temple and uh, and and teach them with a lightsaber, basically. Um, so it's the book starts where she's going to see her first candidate, which is John one, one seven, the future master chief. Um, and they go to the school and John is playing King of the Hill at recess and kicking everyone's butt. And basically she stops him. Um, and she just, the thing is, is all the, there's, there's 170 or no, there's 150 candidates, but they only have the funding for 75. And so that she has to kind of figure out which of her 150 candidates are going to make it. And so she uses a coin, in John's case, to see if he is smart enough or lucky. And she flips a coin, and he calls it in midair, and, and he gets it right. And so um, one of the key things that she said, she talks about is that that's when she knew that he was lucky. He was a lucky kid. And that comes into to play later. Um, but basically, after they she has went across the or they, her and Keys have went across the galaxy, um, finding these kids and, and seeing which ones, Oni basically kidnaps them. They clone them. Um, at this time, cloning technology is not very good, and so all of the clones die within a year or six months. It may have even been six months. I can't remember. But basically, they, they die, um, and... These kids, six years old, are brought to um, Reach, which was the UNSC, um, basically their their military planet, um, and to train at six years old. And uh, they go through, you know, long story, somewhat short, just kind of every day they they you know take them to school, teach them battles. They have to work out. It's basically boot camp from the time you're six. That's essentially what it is. And they train them all the way up till they get older. So um, specifically, the very first test they talked about, they just got there. Uh, John, it, basically the test was there was a bell, and they had to climb up this ob obstacle course and ring this bell. And John, who was definitely the 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 biggest he wasn't the biggest and strongest but he was definitely like just the spartan he like knocks out all the other kids and 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 goes to ring the bell the thing is is it was a team game and he didn't help his teammates so he rang the bell first but his two teammates uh kelly and sam uh they were the last ones, so their team finished last place and so basically mendez who was the 
their military like teacher um basically tells him you don't get to eat tonight and tomorrow I'm chief like, mendez yes it's like i want you to work as a team so he comes back they come back the next day and he helps his teammates win and uh so basically they go through all kinds of uh, missions like this the book talks about a mission where they they basically drop the kids in the highland mountain forest region leave them there they say the last person that comes back has to walk back um, and this was like a, like they, it would be like a three day trip. And so John figures out a way to get them all together and all, come, he's like, we got to come back together. I don't know how we're going to do it. Um, but he, his leadership is starting to be formed. Um, and it, when they get the, to the end, there's these ODSTs or like the highest, like, I guess mil they'd be kind of like, I guess the, uh, I don't the a Navy SEAL uh, in this case, um, and so they are they're standing around just kind of waiting on these kids, um, and the kids can't tell if they're like they're not in uniform, so they don't know if they're a part of the exercise, and they come after the kids. Are they guarding like a like a pelican? Yeah, at y- this point. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So they're guarding the pelican that could take them back. But they're very hostile towards the kids, and what it really—you find this out later, not. And I'm I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be pulling in some information from external fiction to kind of fill in some of these gaps. But you find out that these, this was, um, there was a lot of OT ODSTs who was, you know, everybody's kind of training in the same places, and so they're seeing these, what look like ten you know, nine, 10 year olds that are, are, you know, starting to kick, you know, 18, 20, 21 year olds butts. And they're like, so a lot of the ODSTs do not, they don't, because they don't know what's going on. Don't like these kids can't understand what's going on. And so these ODSTs are really wanting to teach them a lesson. Like they really just want to like beat the tar out of these kids. But the Spartans kind of outgun them and uh, end up taking the Pelican all together back, which this gets John kind of promoted and um, he becomes a, he becomes kind of the captain of the team. And so basically they go through this training all the way um, up until uh, 2525. And so I, I think they were 16 if I, if I read that correctly. And this is, they've trained, they, they're some of the best soldiers you can create. Um, they've been indoctrinated with, you know, everything that the military has. <clears throat> and then they are now going to go through their augmentation process. And basically what had happened, um, which this is a really interesting story because uh, I you get this from Halsey's journal, which is a Halo Reach, like if you get the collector's edition, this comes with it. Um, Halsey sends these augmentations to one of her doctor friends and says she's going to be performing them on monkeys and says, what, what do you think, like, what, what is your analysis with these augmentations? And the doctor is like, basically, I sure hope you don't plan to do this on real monkeys because you're going to lose a lot of them. And what he doesn't and also know, it'd be barbaric to right. do this on well, monkeys. Also. Exactly. I mean, it's like the aug- but the augmentations are 
like there's there's they they were augmentations to turn their bones basically into the substance that was essentially steel. It kept their eyes, you know, made their eyes be able to see in in the night. Um, all, there's all kinds of, I mean, basically making them superhuman. And so, but to do them, there were so many complications and the augmentations were not like, the technology was not there totally yet that there were so many, like the risk was so great that this doctor is like, please don't kill that many monkeys. Don't, I hope this is really a hypothetical situation. What he doesn't know is that these aren't going on monkeys. These are going on 16 year old children on children. Yes. (laughs) Children who, by the way, have been kidnapped. Their family doesn't know. And their family now thinks they're dead because they were cloned by uh, Oni and died six months later. So, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) the the moral implications all around are uh, horrifying at best. Right. It, it's it's really interesting when you get into later fiction and like there's a whole book about an insurrectionist leader whose kid was a Spartan and he he basically figured out what was going he assumed that was what was happening he he some he kind of figured out some things that didn't add up and realized that he thinks that the, his daughter was kidnapped and they come together at some point on opposite sides it's a really interesting. It just the like you said the moral inc- implications of this are terrible, but um, in the and so they perform the augmentations on these kids. Um, at the, like I said, there were seventy five, thirty three of the kids die from the augmentations, and twelve of them were crippled to the point where they could not be in active duty. Now some of them, um, like you find out later. Um, are able to be kind of resuscitated to a, a point of, you know, they can reverse the augmentations and, and they they live and they're no longer Spartans, but they, they can exist. Some of them actually are, you know, confound to a wheelchair the last rest of their life. Um, some of them are, and li- also some of them are put to work for Oni yes. just because now they have superior brains. I mean, right. Uh, Fahajad is one of them. And, um, he was one that had to be carried out in like liquid gel gravi- gravityless tanks. His bo- his bones were bending so much that it was literally going to crush him. Um, so he had they had to put him in a special thing just to until they could do enough surgery to fix him. Um, and and there's like I said, there's all kinds of stories about some of those Spartans and the other fiction. But um, so those twelve are wash out and can't be there. So it leaves 30 intact Spartans in total. Um, so here's where I had something that kind of really, uh, you know, the, like there's a lot of different uh, themes going on in this book. And, and uh, one of the things that I kind of picked up on was the constant um, John one, one seven, as we know him, the master chief, uh, as he turns to be, as he's learning and as he's going, it's all about, you know, John's got to find a way to win and John's got to, uh, he's got to find a way to, you know, follow his orders and keep his people alive and all that kind of stuff. And, and what kind of plays on where he doesn't know how to take the fact that, uh, because he gets this promotion and he's now the leader of the group sort of right before the augmentation stuff happens. Yes. And one of the things that Chief Mendez uh, tells him is that, 
you know, be prepared for your next mission. Your next mission is basically is just to is to survive. Yeah. Which is the augmentation process. John obviously survives, but he goes through this whole, you know, I failed my people who died slash, you know, became crippled. Right. I'm like, none of that is your response is his responsibility or his fault at all. But it just kind of gives you a, a sneak peek into the brainwashing of John 117. Right. Well, I mean, um, and it goes as, all... As far as, Go yeah, how that just, that call of duty, like, you know, leadership, how much has been drilled into him. Right. You know, he's the leader of this group. And because they died in an augmentation process that he had nothing to do with, yeah, he feels like he's failed his team. Right. Well, and that's why it was so important for them to even mention the the first test where the first day he wins because that's what he's always known is to win. And he's like, listen, if your team doesn't win, you lose. And from that moment on, he it, it's ingrained in him, I got to put the team above me. And so this happens. And there's a conversation, I even noted it after this, where he goes to, to Mendez and says, like, what could I have done to win? What could I have done more? And Mendez basically says, listen, in battle, you're going to send people to die. And you have to make the decision. He says, but you can never... He said, you're going to have people lose their life. But you never want to waste their life. And John's response was, well, let me ask you. Was this, was this them giving their life? Or was this wasting their life? And Mendez doesn't... And Mendez didn't really didn't no, have an answer at because, that point. Yeah, because... Probably, and you do, you find this in later books that, you know, Mendez and Halsey later on meet and really struggle with one another because honestly, the, the torment that they have, that they have to do this. I mean, this is, they don't really have a choice because Oni has hired them and they have to do this, you know, and Oni, Oni's the kind of organization that if you know too much, you may just disappear. And so... They, you don't have a choice in, in this situation. And so he's doing this, and because at this point, it's the only thing that's going to save humanity from killing itself. And so it's kind of one of those things like it, it's, it's, it's evil, but it's the for the greater good. And um, But yeah, he doesn't have an answer because it's like, you know, there's a lot of lives that, you know, Think about the the soldiers that those thirty three that died and those twelve that washed out, even without the augmentations, would have become being trained from and you know, be not just trained mentally but physically from the age of six. There's I mean they're already better than the ODSTs, which were the special forces exactly already exactly like, you know. So they just wasted a lot of potential, you know, just a lot of potential and. You know, and but it was kind of one of those things, and and so in that you you do you see John's learning, like you said, the brainwashing, kind of the the duty calls it it, it continues on, and that's why when you see him in later games, when you know he he doesn't know how to feel like in Halo Four, they ask Cortana says who's who's more of a robot, you or me, like. He doesn't have he doesn't know how to deal with emotions because they basically they take them out on top of the fact that in the augmentations like 
the augmentations suppress a lot of those emotions. So he essentially becomes a cyborg. I mean, that's kind of what's happening here. But so um, right after that, you see that it goes to a, uh, like where he he leaves kind of they do a funeral um, sending all of the the dead and uh, Spartans out into space and then he goes to work out to kind of rehab because they have to basically relearn with all these new you know augmentations to to move they you know they're having headaches they're having all kinds of issues um, even the the healthy ones they they're having to basically I mean their body has just been through just terrible things. So he goes to this gym and he's realizing like, man, like I'm basically benching the entire stack. Like it's nothing. So he's checking the gravity. He's checking the pins. Like he's like, I don't understand why I'm this strong. <clears throat> In other words, like he knew that and he literally thinks like he's being tested. Like, he's, yeah. you know, like somebody's messing with him. Right. Because he was supposed to be strong and, and they knew that the augmentations would make them strong, but not this strong. And it's like, oh my Lord, this is working better than expected. But he's, he's just confused. And all of a sudden some ODSTs come to lift weights. And because he was trying to figure this all out, he basically left some of the weights. uh, He took a pin out and this, this ODST tries to lift it up and basically looking for a reason to pick a fight. The weight drops off. And so these four ODSTs start yelling at him, and he's like, "I don't know what to do. I've been trained where neutralize a threat. These people, but they, at the same time, I'm in the same military as these guys, so I'm not sure." Like, <laughs> and then some dumbass like sergeant or somebody showed up <laughs> and was like, "Get in the ring, boys. That's their order." And he's like, "Okay, I've been ordered to fight these men." Right. And again, this is the brainwashing, like. He know like he's just lifted weights that just totally show that he's he's going to wipe these people out, but he has been ordered. And when 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 you know when a Spartan is ordered by a superior officer, they are it's ingrained. That's what they do. They only know how to to fight in that point. So he basically he kills two of the men, um, and basically breaks leaves the rest of them in wheelchairs <laughs> and like at, and see again you got to remember that the ODSTs have been seeing these kids around that their class their ages are classified so that you know the story is that they're like 17 18 cuz that you know they've grown tall and you know all that but but in reality they look in the face like they're 11 12 and so right. they, this is, I mean, this officer was literally just trying to see if he could, you know, uh, just seeing if he could pick a fight. And, uh, and when Mendez comes and kinds of kind, he kind of like stops it and breaks it up he, and they see, he sends them to the hospital. Like John is again confused. He's like, like I just killed two men. What was I supposed to do? And he's like, you saw a threat, and you did, you know, you neutralized it. Like, basically, good job, son. <laughs> you did what you're supposed to do. Right, all in a, and all at the same time, he's like, I, I won. Did I do good? <laughs> right. <laughs> he's just kind of like, I, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> but no, I just thought it was I thought it was interesting how because nobody knows the nobody really knows what the Spartan program is. Nobody knows what the Spartans are. Yeah, you know, at this point, and it's just like like you said, they're just like, oh, look at these punk kids. We're going to show them a lesson by you know, and this I I think I said a sergeant. I think he was like a lieutenant or somebody. Yeah. But you know, he was lower. And and but it was like you know. I order you to fight, you know, or whatever. And it's like you ordered your own men to death because of that. Also, I love the fact that Mendez is like, you know, uh, get medical down here now. Uh, you will be debriefed in a moment, uh, Lieutenant. <laughs> you know, like basically like we now have to explain to this guy what just happened because he's going to be like, he just killed my men. And, and, <laughs> yeah, and this is going to spread throughout the base. That these these twelve year old kids are killing people. Uh, you know, they're sixteen, but right. like, oh, oh, and by the way, hey, those kids that you really hate, they can snap you in half. Right. Um, it's maybe and, quit antagonizing them. And you see this all the way through all of the Halo stuff. ODSTs hate Spartans for the longest time because it's like they just continually get shown up and. But again, nobody knows. Like you know what's going on, but nobody else knows. So it's and since the Spartans have been getting brainwashed since they were six years old, they probably don't even know they're showing anybody up at this point. No, well, like, they just think they're doing you know. what they're told, which is what they've been ingrained to do. Um, That's why John's just like, "I won." It was that the correct thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it it is so oh. interesting. Um, but so from, which is funny because he is a character in a video game and isn't the point of a video game to win. Yes. That's why everybody loves John 117 so much. Amen. <laughs> That's why he is Microsoft. Um, but so <laughs> basically at this point they go through um, and Halsey's like, listen, they're ready to go. Let's they gave him these exoskeleton suits that are prototypes for the Majolny armor, but it's. They're not quite. They're just these suits that kind of help them. Um, and they send them on their first real mission. And again, as I said, at this point, we're we're still dealing with the rebels. So the the outer colonies. So they send them to the Erdana system to capture Colonel Watts, who was an ex UNSC military member who's now defected and he's he's the re- one of the rebels high ranking leaders. They basically Everything goes off without a hitch, um, except for the fact that John jumps to save um, one of his Spartans, and basically, um, I, I believe it was Sam. Yeah, it was Sam, uh, and kind of takes a bullet for him. Which they they, you know, again, he's a Spartan. He takes a bullet to the the ribs and is fine. When they put a little biofoam, which you'll find in the Halo universe. You put vi- biofoam on it, and it just works miracles. Like, you can get your head blown off, and they can put biofoam, and you can still live. So It's kind of like Star Wars, and they're just like, yeah, we, we got a back-to-pack here. Exactly. You know? It's the same thing. You know, space magic. Um, so he puts biofoam. He, he's fine. Um, <clears throat> and so they, they take him back, and they, they win the mission. Well, so it's at this point the Covenant the Spartans are kind of briefed on the covenant. The covenant have come to, um, and you learn this from the book contact harvest. Um, excuse me. We'll have to break that out in the book contact harvest. You find out that the, the Spartans or I'm sorry, the covenant show up. It's the first time we meet them and they destroy harvest. And I won't spend too much time on that, but basically the, the destruction of harvest, the Spartans see it. And, 
right before they go to um, continue some of the missions that they're doing throughout the Rebel base. And so they head to uh, the planet Kai Seti 4, and they're on this ship called the Commonwealth. And while they're they're basically in system to go to this planet to the reason they're going is because they're going to get the Majolnir armor. And um, the Majolnir armor is basically the second half of the Spartan program. It is this armor that's been created um, at, that kind of works with their augmentations to make them even more like just killer machines. Um, but when they get to the system, there's a Covenant battleship and they engage with the Commonwealth, and basically the Commonwealth basically sends them to the surface while they try to fight the Covenant, um, and they actually have decent success. Um, and uh, it's pretty, you know, it kind of details that story. But then the Spartans go down, they test the Majolnir. Um, what, one interesting fact is that the Majolnir actually hooks up to a neural interface in the back of their head, and as your brain thinks your suit will do. And so they had just regular men test this program and a guy accidentally moved his arm too quickly, which made the entire, the entire suit twist around severing his arm off, which the shock of it made the rest of his body move. And again, this is his brain is sending impulses. And so the, basically the system just breaks this guy in half, completely kills him. <laughs> and so, you know, it was kind of one of those things where like the Majolnir armor was o- only people with the bones that the, the Spartans now have could actually be in the Majolnir. And for, even for them, they had to like, it was kind of one of those things as they thought they did. So they had to think really like as they were learning it, they had to, to, you know, it it took them a while to get used to it. But once they got used to it, they started just wiping out these ODST like trainers and just, they were sending them, they kept running tests and tests and tests and they were just destroying them. So basically at this point, there's still a battle going over the, the, the planet. And so the Spartans are like, all right, well we need, you know, Halsey's like, no, they need more time. And he's like, listen, we got to go, we got to go help. So they, the Spartans decide we're going to go up and fight in our new armor. And this is kind of the crux of the book. Cause basically at this point, this is the first time they meet the covenant and they decide they're going to board one of the, sh- the main covenant ship and destroy it. So they take a bomb and uh, they basically shoot themselves with their armor because their armor had a limited, I think it was like a 30 minute to an hour like vacuum space breathing capacity. So they could, they basically shot themselves um, to the Covenant ship to get on there. And John, Sam, and Kelly were the ones that made it. Um, and they, like I said, they're going to bring a bomb into the reactor. And what happens as they're kind of fighting their way through the ship, it's really cool because this is the first time the Spartans actually run into any Covenant members um, where they, they they don't see an elite yet, but they, they see you know jackals and, and grunts and all of them. But as they're fighting through, somebody, the, one of the 
Covenant is going to shoot John, and Sam takes the bullet for him, kind of repaying the earlier mission. Um, and but when it does, it's a it's a needler round, and if you've played the Halo games, a needler are like crystals that Explodes. hit you, yeah, and then they blow up. And so one of them hit him, and it blows a puncture hole in his suit, which means if he goes back to vacuum, he's going to suffocate and die anyway. And he realizes that. He realizes they don't have a lot of time or literally the planet's going to be destroyed. And so Sam says, I'll stay behind and, and set the bomb. And basically, he is the first Spartan killed in action. Um and of course, this is another situation where where you know you see John's humanity and the fact that he like Kelly's like no, we're not leaving him behind. And John's like, listen, I've ordered him to stay behind because he knows like he's gonna die anyway, and we've got to complete the mission. And it's like you know it's eating John up inside, but he has to do it, and he knows he has to do it, and he basically sacrifices his man to get the thing done. So they, they blow up the ship. Um, and that's when the book kind of skips ahead. And, I, and just, I know that due to time, we'll, I'll just kind of skim through this kind of quickly, but we see, we're getting to now keys is now a commander. And, um, we, we skip to where he is in system and he, he runs into a bunch of ships and he performs, what's called the keys loop. And just due to time, I won't explain what the keys loop is, but the keys loop essentially at this point, when we ran, when the humanity would run up against covenant ships, it was over. They just would get completely annihilated unless it it was like a four to one. You had to have like four ships to every covenant to win. Um, and, Keys basically took on a, a mini battle group by himself um, and did ridiculous uh, actions to do so. And so um, I in the in the show notes, we may post a link to the video so you can see if you're interested to see what he does. It's really cool. Yeah, I'll post the I'll post the video we, we watched yeah. it because the visual of it, I think, is is so helpful. Yeah. Because uh, it's hard to it's hard to describe what he does. Yeah. In word picture form <laughs> yeah you you really do have to watch it even if you read the book you you need to watch this video but so basically in that um they the spartans kind of are with him or they they meet him and they go ground side to fight the covenant while keys is and and basically key says hey they're coming back there's a huge group coming we need all the ships the unsc ships to come the Spartans go groundside because the Covenant are dropping troops to the ground. And what they find out is that the Covenant is shooting up a message to one of their ships. And the UNSC, the Spartans kind of intercept that. And what that message was, was a star chart. You find that out later for Halo, um, which was on this planet. Um, this is also the first time Master Chief encounters a hunter. Um, a hunter pair. And so uh, basically they go through, they, they kind of, the UNSC wins that battle, but part of it is because the covenant again, run away because they were just trying to get that information. And so while this is going on, 
uh, Oni develops this operation, they call it Red Flag. And basically what was going to happen was they were going to get the Spartan Twos to try to take over a Covenant ship, go to the Covenant homeworld, and capture a prophet. And so while this is happening, the Spartans up get an upgraded Majolnir armor that now have shields and integrate AI into that based on um, some of the technology they got at this this last fight when they ran into the Hunters. Um, and this is where Master Chief meets Cortana. Um, basically, Cortana chooses Master Chief and to test Spartans, the Spartan armor with an AI, uh, John volunteers to go with Cortana and they do this test exercise. Now, this is the part where I know, Ryan, you have some thoughts because during this test exercise, which is basically just to see how Cortana, who is literally a computer, an AI chip, who is considered a smart AI, which means that she was actually taken from a clone of a human brain, and she's unique because she's the only one taken from a an alive human, which was actually Halsey. So she was taken from one of the most brilliant minds in the whole universe's brain and put with John. And she basically essentially goes into John's neural interface, which kind of means he's she's in his head, um, you know, talking to him in his head, which is pretty interesting. Um, but so they go through this exercise just kind of testing themselves. But the exercise has kind of been rigged Um and it was rigged by none other than Colonel Ackerson. And Colonel Ackerson hates Catherine Halsey. Um, and the reason is because he is trying to create some of his own Oni projects, specifically the Spartan 3 program, which is basically a cheaper version of the Spartan 2s. Um, basically, they're just taking orphans from, you know, like covenant blasted areas and trying to send them as cannon fodder and basically they're creating them not they're cutting corners everywhere trying to get it to where hey these kids are going to die we're going to send them on suicide missions and so it doesn't really matter um we don't have to spend as much money so he's kind of a d-bag um and he does this and he's doing it if he can wipe out master chief then he could say, listen, the Spartan 2s are a waste of money. Um, they actually said that the Majolnir suit cost as much as a full like ship for the UNSC. So he's like, he's just wanting to prove that the Spartan 2s don't work so his program can actually work. And because of this, Cortana does some pretty amazing... Um, <laughs> she she kind of ticked at him, and so she gets revenge... By hacking into his computer and sending money to a brothel and then sending the receipt to his wife. And then she he makes her to... Con- Forges a letter to have him put on the front line. <laughs> yes. And I know you had mentioned before that you were interested in, like... Well, what was interesting to me was the description of... so So she's hacking into the system to be able to transfer the funds from his account to to this brothel, uh, creating all this uh, stuff. And, and, and it's interesting because this is all science fiction. And uh, at, at, at the time, I was really, because that was at the time where I was really studying my, my Security Plus and I was learning 
you know, about different vulnerabilities with networks and all that kind of stuff. And it was, it was crazy to me, the amount of realism that went into what Cortana was actually doing, setting up back doors and, and, uh, you know, using worms and all that kind of stuff, uh, to actually do like real hacking in the Halo universe <laughs> that we would do. I mean, and then you add a little fiction sprinkled on top of it, but it was just funny to me that like, you know, uh, the way things were described or like the way, you know, what my job is now of like what we're looking for, right. <laughs> you know, and that kind of stuff. So it's, it, it was, it was very funny and interesting to me that like a Cortana, who is a, you know, is a, is an AI and artificial intelligence is like, you know what, dude, F you, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'm going to mess you up. Right. Uh, no wonder she goes rampant. Yeah, you know, at well, some point. That, and that's the thing. I mean, she's got a little bit of more of a personality, being that she's like from Halsey's brain. So that's that she's different than a lot of the AIs, and because she was come from a living brain, so she's she's got a little spunk to her. Um, and while she does this, she also peeks into John's service record. She hacks into that and sees that he was a kid, and that's when she kind of decides, "Oh wow, I can't believe." what they've done to him, I'm going to do my best to protect him. And that's why she she kind of, she doesn't fall in love with him, but it's kind of like this, my job is to make sure that John survives. And you see that throughout the video games, you see that throughout the other fiction. This is kind of where that happens. So to kind of finish this book up as quickly as I can, because um, I know we're going a little long, but um, she basically the Spartans get ready for this operation reg flag on the pillar of autumn, which captain keys is now it's his new ship and they're getting ready to, um, basically launch this mission where all the Spartans go steal a ship. Um, but while doing it in the previous battle with the keys loop, the covenant put a tracking device unbeknownst to captain keys on the Iroquois. And so they found Reach, and as soon as they're about to launch to go into this mission, a humongous battle group comes into Reach. And again, Reach is in the inner colonies. Like, the Covenant to this point have wiped out a lot of the outer colonies. In fact, most of the outer, outer colonies. But, like, the inner colonies where Earth's, you know... Where our where the UNSC is at, where most of our defense is at, has not been found yet, and so there was a there was a whole protocol. It's called the pro uh, the coal protocol, which basically they I mean there was all these rules to keep the navigation systems away from the Covenant so that they could not find Earth and Reach, the main two. Earth is obviously our home planet, and Reach is our military base. The entire planet is a military base. And so they show up. Now, Reach has all these humongous Mac guns on them, which are... I, I, if you've played Halo 2 at the beginning, you see you're actually on one of them, and they're these, these guns that shoot just... I, I, they're basically whole constructs that shoot massive slug rounds um it's like our our heaviest round that we've got um it's like a giant rail gun essentially basically. yeah and um and so our the, the reach is covered with them so the reach has fortification all across it you know so that's kind of helpful but 
there's a lot of Covenant ships. And so um, they immediately, Keys kind of cancels Red Flag until, until John's like, listen, we can still fight them and steal one of their ships. So, like, as long as it's, you know, we can still do this mission while also doing the mission of protecting Reach. So he decides to get a smaller group of Spartans to go do that while sending another group groundside to, because what was happening is tons of the Covenant were going to Reach's ground to try to destroy the MAC cannons at the base, basically knock out the reactors so that they would have no power. And so basically what happens is there's a red team, which is like, I think, it was like 22 Spartans get sent down while there are three or four Spartans that stay up to go steal a ship. Um, but while they're going to steal a ship, they find out that there was a there was a ship, the USC Circumference, which comes into play later in a really a, a whole new set of books. Um, it's a really interesting ship, but it's actually an Oni ship, and because of that, the AI of the Gamma Station where it's settled or where it's docked at cannot wipe its nav system. So they actually have to send Blue Team, instead of stealing a ship, they have to go board Gamma Station and destroy the ship's nav data manually. So John, Linda, and Spartan James go um, to do that, and while, while the rest of Red Team go to the ground to, to basically fight at Reach. This It's now an all-out battle around Reach. So on Gamma Station, James get struck by another needler and he gets in his thruster pack which like explodes him and he shoots out into the basically you know he's in uh, outer space so like once he goes flying there's no stopping there's you know there's no atmosphere so he's essentially lost and they they try to find him later but they can't um so he probably suffocated which is really sad um, and at the same time, while they're on there, they get the the mission done, but Linda gets just completely destroyed. Um, and you know, Linda is then later in Halo Five, so we know she lives. But basically, John, when he gets back to the Pillar of Autumn, puts her in cryo sleep, kind of saves her from her body from being. She's technically she's clinically dead, but because she's frozen in cryo, they can kind of do surgery and kind of revive her. So by the time they do this, Chief wants to go down with his team and help them, but it's already essentially they've lost contact. They have to follow the cold protocol, pro code, uh, the cold protocol and get out of system. And by doing so, they're supposed to jump to a random vector, but Cortana, who is now in the ship's mainframe, finds the message that the earlier covenant were sending from that one planet and essentially figures out that it's a star chart and they jump into slipstream space, which is kind of like uh, hyperspace in, in Star Wars, and come out on the other side, which when they come out on the other side, um, they are at a halo ring, which is the beginning of Halo CE. So... Um, this, the book kind of takes you right into that. Um, there are other books that kind of talk about what happens ground side, um, you know, with the other Spartans. Um, but you don't get that in Halo Reach. But so this game just kind of, it ends with Halo CE 
kind of the beginning of Halo CE or Halo 1, however you say it. And that, that's kind of the book. That's the the kind of the intro to Master Chief, the intro to the Spartans, and the beginning of the, uh, well, not really the beginning, but kind of the crux of the uh, human covenant war. Very nice. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the book. I enjoyed the fact that, like, um, so with a lot of science fiction, it's like there's always, you know, human people or whatever, right? And it's usually like, oh, they're from a different society or a different planet or wherever. They're not, it's like not normally like Earth, right? Yeah. So uh, I think it's interesting in this science fiction, just the fact that it's like, you, as you're going through the book, you can feel... Yes, it is Halo. It's a video game, but you can you can feel some of the you know I'm a veteran and some of the same themes. Not, I mean, I, I never went through Spartan training or anything like that. But I, I guess my point is, is like it's all very human. It's very right. human from Earth in the way of the thinking and the the some of the you know the same military styles, yeah. the way you know the way they sort of talk and the way they uh, conduct themselves. Um, it, it's, it's very interesting yeah. to me. And, uh, I, I did enjoy the fact that because especially not knowing a lot about the Halo story myself, um, you know, cause you know, reading into some of what Spartans actually have to go through to become Spartans, uh, and then realizing, oh, these aren't people who are volunteering for this. This is, you know, they, uh, being stolen in the middle of the night and being cloned so their family doesn't find out and all that kind of stuff. It's like there's a lot of moral implications, like I said earlier. Um, so I think just for that, um, that alone, just to make you think and question, um, you know, do the do the ends justify the means? And uh, is it good? Right. You know, what you're what you're thinking about is is Catherine Halsey a monster or is she just doing her job? You know, right. and, and that kind of stuff and. Uh, I think, I think for all that, uh, the story's good. And uh, on Audible, like because we, I listened to it on Audible. I forget who the narrator was. He did a he did a pretty good job. Yeah. As far as that goes, and uh, yeah, I thought the story, the story just you know it clipped in place and it, it was had a nice cadence to right. it. And there was a lot of time frame being covered. Yeah. And not a lot of short or not a long time or amount of time was taken to cover it, but it seemed to flow pretty good. Right. Well, and the interesting thing, you know, at Halo, what I what I do love about the Halo series, you can definitely, there's definitely, like you said in this book, there's a lot of time frame there. And a lot, even some of my commentary didn't come from this book. Ha 343 has done a great job of filling in a lot of gaps. Uh, you can watch, there's a, like, there's a Halo animated series. There is an entire... Um, comic book series devoted to this same basically story that gives you all this other information about the kid, you know, while the kids are in training, the actual story of the battle on the ground, like those kind of things. Like you get to see a lot of the other stuff and they really do, do fill it in. And then, you know, with the, the other Eric Nyland books, it's really kind of cool because they, the whole story of, the Halo Covenant War, there are so many layers to it, so many different um, timelines and areas where, like like you said, this this game kind of jumps around, but a lot of those, like if you read, um, 
I believe it's First Strike. First Strike is literally just an operation that happens during this timeline um, that sets you up for, um, I believe it's Halo, The Flood, the book The Flood, which is literally the book version of Halo CE. It follows the same timeline, but it gives you like all the all the regular soldiers that are like fighting with Master Chief and Halo C that you're trying not to get killed. They all have stories and they're all in these books. And so the the Halo universe, I really like, you know, you were kind of saying it's kind of grounded in humanity. You know, I know a lot of people that listen to this are familiar with Star Wars. And I always say that Halo is kind of like my Star Wars and kind of what I like about it. Um, and, you know, I mean, it really, some people may not like this about it, but with Star Wars, because it is in a galaxy far, far away, a long time ago, um, they can kind of make up anything as they go. There's like, there's no real rules because we're not talking about our universe. This is our universe in the future. So we, you know, we kind of, you know, Halo has our history. If you read a lot of the, the other fiction, it has... They talk about. I, I think even in this book, when the 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 hu- the first story that the human or that the Spartans cover is the three hundred Spartans, you know, and they they cover that story. That's the first military school day they learn about the three hundred Spartans. So they use real time events to kind of set up this time in history. So it's it's. I like that they do that. It grounds it. It keeps them honest. They have to, you know, be true to form. Um, what will the what will humanity be like? You know, it's now twenty twenty one, and this is twenty five twenty five. So this is you know five hundred years from now. Like, what's it going to be like? I like, you know, it's just really interesting. And um, and again, they like you kind of hope five hundred years from now they're using Halo as a template. Oh yeah, in order to, I, you know, uh, it's it's. It's really a it's a good story and um it's, 500 years from now the navy's going to be you know uh christening a ship and they're going to be calling it the Iroquois exactly and, and, looking you know, or for the a Pillar Jacob, of Autumn. anybody named Jacob Keys anybody <laughs> <laughs> that Just they're like you need to learn this keys loop because there's going to come a bunch of aliens and you're going to have to do it so um but no it's I I really like Eric Nyland's work, um, like I said, he wrote about three or four books at the beginning, um, and they all kind of follow the same, like you said, cadence. And um, but Fall of Reach is a great, it's a great entry point into the universe. So, well, I was glad to read it. Well, good, You're, you've been indoctrinated. <laughs> hey, man, brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's pretty much all we have time for tonight. Uh, I'm actually sitting here working as we're finishing up the uh, uh, finishing up the uh, the podcast here. But uh, uh, Dustin, do you have any final thoughts or have any shout outs or anything else you want to add? No, I, I appreciate. I know tonight was just kind of me reading, uh, basically reading the story. Um, and, uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of time to do this episode. This, I, I, I kind of wrote this out expecting like a two hour episode, but we, uh, <laughs> we got started a little late, so I, I hope it was okay. Just kind of reading through. Um, but I, I would just say, you know, Halo, Halo's a great franchise and, uh, uh I always, I always love talking story, talking Halo lore. So, uh, for me, this was a blast. Absolutely. I got to finally be on a Halo podcast. 
Uh, well, Hold this on. won't be the last. You know what? Time. Let me just say this. I, <laughs> I will say this, and I know you're working, but I have to finish at least on my part. That I, I want to say, you know, 2011, 2012, sometime in that time, I had a conversation with Ryan, telling him to get into podcasts because of Halo lore, and a lot has happened since then. You know that led famously led you into instead of halo podcast into destiny podcasts which <laughs> led you into playing destiny with people that listen to podcasts and make podcasts which then made you a streamer and then a podcaster and now here we are finally the whole reason that i even mentioned podcast to you in the beginning was so i could have someone to talk halo with and here we are talking Halo. So I just want to say, after all this time, I'm finally feeling complete. So. <laughs> well, don't settle down with that uh, completionist uh, idea yet, because I am going to ask uh, our Lord and Savior, Penn's Halo, to... Uh, to grade you and your performance this evening. Uh, But also, this will not be the only time we talk Halo. We will pick it up again, I promise. (laughs) Well, good. And we won't won't wait 10 years this time. (laughs) And Ben's, I'm sorry, he gave me no time, so... <laughs> it's true. It's my fault. I mean, I you know I got a job to do. And listen, stuff, so listen. <laughs> anyway, it was fun, man. But yeah, absolutely. I've I've had a good time. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, once again, I uh, just wanted to say, uh, Zach, we hope you uh, you hope your boy gets better. Uh, we missed you, um, certainly, and uh, we look forward to doing it again uh, with you involved. But uh, you know, a nice little duo action here was fun as well. Um, so I appreciate you coming on Dustin and sharing the knowledge with us and uh, yeah we will see you next time may your best yesterdays be your worst tomorrows and remember don't shake the mic <laughs>